Shlomim. The peace offering, Leviticus chapter 3. Let's look at it together. And there are three things to note here. Well, I'm failing. This is something got a hold on me. All right, here we go. First of all, the peace offerings of cattle. If his sacrifice is a peace offering, if he brings it from cattle, whether male or female. Now, here in the peace offering, it can be a male or a female, but it still has to be unblemished. Unblemished, he should bring it before Yahweh. Now, let me say this about these offerings. We have a, a lot of detail about the offerings and how God instructed them. But the people who were there as the worshipers understood because they would re receive the instructions from the priesthood as to what was happening and what everything meant. So there are conjectures about whether male or female, there are conjectures about that as well as other things. But those aren't the points that we really want to discover when we study this as believers in Christ. Unblemished, he shall lean his hand forcefully upon the head of his sacrifice and slaughter it at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And Aaron's descendants, the priesthood, shall dash the blood upon the altar around. So you see what the priests were to do here. There's more detail about that as we get to it in this particular offering in Leviticus uh, 7. So notice here that he makes, he makes a forceful identification with the sacrifice. It's well known that this is the worshiper identifying with what he wants accomplished through his sacrifice and that he identifies with this sacrifice and this sacrifice is, is himself. He wants to offer himself like this. Lean his hand forcefully upon the head of his sacrifice and slaughter it. The worshiper slaughters it at the entrance of the tent of meeting. Well, that's where the brazen altar was. The priesthood shall dash blood upon the altar. This was the priesthood dash it all around. So here is the priest who stands symbolically between the worshiper and the creator, God, who is in the holy of holies. There was a high priest, we'll sit in Leviticus, uh, we'll get there sometime, who offers the sacrifice on the day of atonement, very important. So the high priest, but then the priesthood. And if you, whenever you read one of these books of the Torah, especially uh, Exodus, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy, well, and Numbers, when you read the, well, Genesis, just all of them, all five of them, because in Hebrews 11, the, the characters, the patriarchs are mentioned. Uh, so you compare what you read in the Torah with what is taught in Hebrews. And you get such a, f a fullness 
of instruction as a believer. And uh, the book of Hebrews, of course, is a letter to the Hebrews who were struggling with completely forsaking the Levitical code, the law, and turning completely and only to Christ. It was very difficult for the early um, Jews in, in many cases to, to, to understand this. And so thus the letter to the Hebrews is written for them. And it also teaches us about the bridge that connects where we are, namely what we read and study and learn in Hebrews back to what uh, the law says with regard to the worshiper. Okay, so the priesthood uh, shall dash the blood, sprinkle, dash the blood upon the altar. There we go. And from the peace offering, the thank offering, the fellowship offering, he shall bring a fire offering to Yahweh and it be comprised of the fat covering the innards, the entrails, and all the fat that is on the entrails. And the two kidneys along with the fat that is upon them, which is over the flanks. And he shall remove the diaphragm with the liver along with the kidneys. Now, the instruction is given here. Number one, with regard to the fat, that was regarded as, as the choicest part of, uh, of, of the animal. So they're, they're giving their best. But then the, the kidneys and the fat over them, the, over the flanks and the diaphragm, the liver, along with uh, the kidneys. Some of these, well, let me finish the thought here and then we'll look back on it. And Aaron's descendants shall cause it to go up in smoke on the altar apart from the burnt offering, which is on top of the wood that's on the fire. It is a fire offering with a pleasing fragrance to Yahweh. Certain of those entrails that are burned up, the question would be, you know, why those particular items, why those things and, and not the rest of it? Now, the reason the rest of it is not burned up, the question to that is answered in Leviticus 7, namely, that what is left that hasn't been offered becomes uh, a central piece of a fellowship meal that is, uh, that is celebrated uh, at the grounds of the tabernacle in this day, later on in the temple, uh, a happy occasion because Fellowship, reconciliation, peace is established with God. That's the purpose, the express purpose of this particular sacrifice. And obeying the law of God, the worshiper knows that Yahweh, who is always true to his word, now has established fellowship with the worshiper. And so... It also is a thank offering in that he thanks Yahweh for being able to establish peace, that, that Yahweh would establish peace between himself and the worshiper. So once it's a done thing, there's fellowship. It's a, it's a festive time and certain people are invited uh, to participate 
in the fellowship meal. You can also offer a peace offering from sheep. If sacrifice for a peace offering to Yahweh is from the flock. I didn't finish the thought. Certain of those entrails are to be burned up because in the Canaanite religion, and they were, they were, heading, they were heading to Canaan, and then when they were in Canaan, of course, they were to continue to obey the law, observe the law, and the Canaanites uh, put sort of a, a mystical meaning to certain parts of, of the entrails of a sacrifice so that you would, you would perhaps be filled with divination or something. Uh, it, was, it was sort of like witchcraft. So Yahweh did not want his people to get the idea that any of those particular parts were special like that. And so in, 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 in complete juxtaposition of the Canaanites, Yahweh tells his people to burn that part because that's not special. You don't eat that. You don't use it. You burn that part. The Canaanites deify it. You burn it. So now, uh, the sacrifice for a peace offering to Yahweh is from the flock, whether male or female, again, male or female, unblemished, he shall bring it. If he brings a sheep as his sacrifice, then he shall bring it before Yahweh. He shall lean his hand forcefully upon the head of his sacrifice, slaughter it before the tent of meeting, and Aaron's descendants shall dash its blood upon the altar around and from the peace offering, he shall bring a fire offering to Yahweh. That is, burn part of it. This time, the choicest part, uh, comprised of its choicest part, the complete tail. Now, something that you can't get here, we're not told, but you have to study, uh, you, you have to study what kind of sheep there were, and they still, they still are. There's a special kind of sheep, obviously uh, prevalent among the Israelites in this day, that has, unlike sheep that we think of over here, that has a, has a very large tail that is, that's, that's, as one scholar said, it would be like the filet mignon of the, of the sheep. And it was the choicest part that you could eat Today, some of those sheep have tails that are so heavy that shepherds in the modern world actually fix up, they fix up a little wheel, like a wheelchair, so that it can support that heavy tail and it won't be too hard on the sheep. So sheep have a wheel holding up their tail. The, the point is that's how big this tail is, it's a very large thing, very choice part. So it's the best part and it's to be given uh, uh, to Yahweh. The complete tail, he shall remove opposite the kidneys, the fat covering the innards, all the fat which is on the entrails, the innards, and the two kidneys along with the fat that is upon them, which is over the flanks, he shall remove the diaphragm with the liver along the kidneys. In other words, though that part, that part of, again, of the sacrifice that is deified by the Canaanites is to be burned up completely in the offering. Um, 
and the priest shall cause it to go up in smoke on the altar as food for the fire. So in bringing the peace offering, the worshiper has the choice of bringing from among the cattle. His cattle can be male or female. From among the sheep, it can be male or female or from among the goats. If his sacrifice is a goat, he shall bring it before Yahweh. Again, he shall lean his hand forcefully. He shall identify with it, laying his hands upon its head and slaughter it before the tent of meeting and Aaron's descendants shall dash its blood upon the altar around and from it he shall bring his offering, uh, a fire offering to Yahweh comprised of the fat covering the entrails and all the fat which is on the innards, the entrails and the two kidneys with the fat upon them over the, which is over the flanks. He shall, re, he shall remove the diaphragm with the liver along with the kidneys and he shall remove it. And the priest shall cause it to go up and smoke on the altar consumed as a fire offering with a pleasing fragrance and all the sacrificial fat belongs to Yahweh. Again, that's to be considered in their day as the choicest part uh, of, of the animal. This is an eternal statute for all your generations. In all your dwelling places, you shall not any, eat any fat or any blood. Okay, when we get to Leviticus 17, the law will define blood as the source of life. The life of the flesh is in the blood. So it of course would be forbidden to eat anything among the choicest part that had been dedicated to Yahweh, which Yahweh required, or of course, to participate in eating the blood of a sacrifice. Now let's talk about why looking at this is important to us and the lessons that we get from it. Sin separates us from God. But with his people, God initiates the responsibility to offer fellowship. But there's a way you have to go. In order to have fellowship with God, something, God requires something. In this case, of course, uh, from among the cattle or among the sheep or among the goats, an offering. Peace with God is the most coveted reality we can enjoy. We can enjoy. What else do the people of God, what could they want possibly more than to know we are reconciled with God? That we have peace with God, that God is no longer at enmity with us. His wrath does not abide upon us. We have peace with God. We are reconciled with God. Most important thing we can think of. God initiates our peace with him, in this case, through the offering. I told you he initiated it with a sacrifice, with an offering. And so God says it has to be unblemished. All of the blood has to be offered to me. The choicest of it has to be, has to be given to me. And in the case of this, 
When there's peace, I want you to celebrate that peace that you have with me with other people. Now, you don't read in these 17 verses about the fellowship. You get that from Leviticus 7. We get there. It's the same thing, but it's from the priest's point of view. And, and there we understand, we're made to understand that part of this offering or that this, this offering ends with a fellowship uh, among certain people. So God's people can enjoy fellowship with one another and God is at the table. Symbolically, God is at the table with them because he has established peace and this offering has been made. In this part, in this peace offering, God's people see the need for being reconciled with God. You know, you can walk through the world and most people have some sort of strange idea about God. God won't do certain things because he's a God of love and God has to do these things uh, because of who he is. Surely God would not punish people for living like this, for believing like this, for not believing like this or whatever. People have strange ideas about God. Now there's only one, God then tells us in his word that we're at enmity with him. The ideas of the world and the world system uh, to, be, to be even, to be living in Canaan, uh, we are carefully warned not to observe the ways of the Canaanites. We come to realize that God reveals himself in his word and of course in, in, the, new covenant, in the New Testament reveals himself personally in the person of Jesus Christ. And that the only way that we can know God, we can't define God in and of ourselves. It's, you just don't do that. God is the only one who can define God. And God defines himself in a way that we can understand it. Way back in the day, he further defined how relationships could be established with him through sacrificial offerings because sin, guilt, trespass, all those things had to be dealt with. Uh, to offer yourself to God in service and commitment, a burnt offering had to be had to be made. Then there was the grain offering. Now there's the peace offering, reconciliation. God explains that to us. Most people outside of the family of God don't understand, nor do they realize that they are living a life that is at war with God. They don't realize it. That the wrath of God automatically abides on them. That apart from God's placing us in his family, Apart from that, we are, we are lost. We don't understand God. We have no way to define God, though we create ways to define God. And therefore, we are outside of reconciliation with God. So God initiates all of this. God initiates the possibility of fellowship and peace. And when God does this for his people, now they are made to, now we are made to realize our need to be reconciled with God. When this happens, remember the worshiper forcefully laid his hands on the head of the sacrifice. He identified with this sacrifice. 
through the sacrifice and other things that would be done, uh, he understood that God would, who required something unblemished, would accept something unblemished, and that by the declaration of God, by the word of God, there would be sort of a transfer. And so he would bring his life to God, but he would have to offer an unblemished offering. So this is the worshiper bringing his life to God, believing that God will make it clean and unblemished and right via sacrifice. We submit to the word of God. God is the one who initiated all of this. This is his word. This wasn't Moses and some of the elders hanging out at the bottom of the mountain saying, you know, here's what we ought to do. This seems like it'd be a good thing for us to do. And I'm sure it would please y'all. It isn't that way. Yahweh doesn't ask for any advice or suggestions. He just says, this is it. If the peace offering is brought, this is, this is what's done. Now, when we study Leviticus 7 and those chapters in that part that deal with all of these five offerings, you will see that uh, this, is a, this is a submission to the word of God. It's God who brings it up. It's God who creates it. It's the word of God. So we submit to the word of God. This is what God said we're to do. And we can't do it any other way. We submit to the word of God. We enjoy fellowship with God. And enjoying that fellowship with God, we express thanksgiving to God. Now that is seen in, more in Leviticus 7, but it's a, it's a happy moment when finally all of the blood is drained out of the animal and the animal is cut open. And those things that God has required to be burned, which would, uh, which would be number one, a testimony that we give the best to God. And number two, a testimony that we are separate from the world and we don't, we don't see things the way the world sees. And so those things are burned on the altar. This is what God requires. Then by the word of God, this establishes reconciliation and fellowship for which we are thankful and in which we express this thanks with a, with a time of fellowship with other people. And implied in all of that is that God is pleased. It says it's a sweet smelling aroma. So God accepted and, and God in, in a sense is there with us. Peace has been established. So, of course, that's a great reason for giving thanks. Noting again that the, the fat is separated and some of the best parts, we give our best to God. And then in that time of fellowship that's described later on, we'll get to that later on, but it, it belongs here as well. We, we share our lives with the people of God because we have something in common, namely that we are reconciled to God. Other people have offered that same sacrifice and people come to rejoice with the worshiper that reconciliation is established in this person's life. As I said earlier, outside of Christ, people are at enmity with God. What does all this mean to us today? We know then that Christ, that all of the law has come upon Christ. Christ 
is the end of the law. He is our Sabbath. We rest in Christ. All of these requirements are just a precursor. They are pointing the people of God to the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, and that is Christ. We find that that peace with God through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Christ has given himself. Christ has been accepted by the Father. The Son has been accepted by the Father as an appropriate sacrifice, as, as an appropriate offering uh, for his people. Uh, Isaiah 53 is very plain. The Father, the, God sees it and he's satisfied. He's pleased. He's pleased with Christ. So when Christ is in our lives and we are in Christ, we know that we have reconciliation. Matter of fact, that word reconciliation and the word peace, those two words are seen quite often, especially in the writings of the Apostle Paul, but in other places as well. So when we study these offerings, we know we, we sort of project ourselves into the lives of Old Testament worshipers and think of what this must have meant and then we come to the sublime satisfaction that all of this has been done for us in the person of Christ. And so when the gospel of Jesus Christ is preached, one of the primary points of the gospel of Christ is that Christ brings us reconciliation with God and the wrath of God doesn't abide on us. We're saved. We have fellowship. We have peace with God. And in our lives, we offer thanks for all that God has done for us. Well, we'll stop there and we'll have a prayer and we'll be dismissed, okay? Oh God, thank you for Jesus Christ, our Savior, who among other things brings us peace. When we come by faith to him, knowing that he has satisfied all the rituals necessary, especially the peace offering to bring us into fellowship with you, O Lord. Jesus Christ, our Savior, who fulfilled all of the law in our behalf. Thank you for the opportunity to study about it and for the opportunity to to seek a deeper meaning of what it all is and especially how it applies to our lives. Now bless us as we go from this place. Use us always for your glory, please. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. All right, thank you.